Welcome to Change the Narrative. I'm your host, J.D. Fuller. I'm Susie Younger. An African-American licensed psychotherapist. I'm also a licensed therapist. We talk about the isms. We talk about the phobias. Anything that marginalizes and oppresses. As a white woman, I ask the questions white people are too afraid to ask. Everything we are not and everything we are is because of fear. Through a mental health lens, Susie and I will have difficult conversations with celebrity guests, political activists, and everyone in between. Our mind will tell us whatever we want to believe, but the truth lives in the body, and that's where change occurs. Are you ready to change the narrative? Well, 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 as our next guest would say, Rick says he's a boy from the hood. He was a soldier for 22 years, 11 months, and four days with five deployments. He is now fighting the biggest war, white supremacy, racism, and injustice in this country. He is quite the sensation on all major platforms and is relentless about his standing up to the voices that protect white supremacy, racism, and injustice. His goal is to change the world, change the narrative, and make change. He is also a singer and a social justice leader who is able to entertain us while getting his message out. Welcome, Rick. <laughs> hey, I don't know who you was talking about, but I ain't that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Singing shoot. <laughs> that was a good one. That was a good one. I need a good laugh today. But I do sing, no, I do sing. I sing terribly if they pay for on my Twitch stream. If they pay the back of tears, I sing terribly for them. You know, so. Well, you're singing your message to the people. How about that? That's it. So, Rig, I'm so grateful for you joining us. I know that you basically had to get through a powder outage to join us this week. Yes, That's it's why. been a crazy week this week. I know. I know. That's why I was, like, checking on you and saying, you okay? You good? We still can go, you know, this week? Because I know you were going through it. So everything's back to normal now? Uh, well, I mean, there's still about 10,000 people. I think not maybe 5,000 oh. people without power. So a lot of them guys are over five days now. So it's really, oh. um, they really hurt. At one point, one of my partners, Jolly Good Ginger, you know, he was just actually, he was like, forget it, man. Come on, dude. He's like, you don't want to, because his apartment was completely blacked out. He has nothing. Oh, I didn't know that. And so I was like, dude, you know you family. Come on through, man. And so he had come and hang out with us like 30 minutes. And then his power came back on. Okay. And so they just turned it into a visit then. But I told him, hey, dude, you ain't got to suffer. No time, man. Uh, but I love Jolly. You know, I told him, yeah, hey, no, you're my brother, too. you're my brother from another mother, dude. I said straight up. Yeah. So I said, all you got to do is say the word. My house is your house, dude. Period. That's that's, that's so, all right. That's, that's how right. we roll, man. Yeah, I love that guy. He's definitely a friend of the show, and we do our thing together. So I feel you on that. He's a good dude. So I want to take you back to, let's say, pre-military. Okay. And I want to know, basically, who you were before you joined the military. So I'm thinking, like, you joined it in 22, so I'm thinking sort of teenage, late teenage. L.A. riots. I could sum that up, right? L.A. riots. Rodney King, dealing with the police, LAPD, social injustice, right? So I was yeah. out there in the middle of that. And really, it was the L.A. riots was one of the many factors why I decided to just become a soldier because of the drama that was going on out there. And here's a sweet irony. More LAPD police officers point their guns at me than enemy soldiers, Right. So even after being deployed, you know, multiple times, five operational deployments, I still dealt with all of that racism and craziness right there in my hometown and back in Long Beach, California. And so that's really what I remember the day clearly that I decided to become a soldier. But just like the L.A. riots, man, stuff was like burnt down. You know, the uh, National Guard was out there. It was, it was hellacious. I was just sitting on the bus going to Long Beach City College. And I was just like, you know what? I'm done. I, I made it my mind. I was like, that's it. 
And so, I mean, I walked in the recruitment station. I was like, I'm ready to go. So wait, slow down. So the LA riots, you saw I had to take a pause there because my mind and my heart went back there for a minute. When you say that you were done, what was that whole sentence like? I'm done. So, with- let me break it down to you. I, I, there's a lot to unpack with that. I'm done, right? So you got to understand, mm-hmm. 19 years of my life, first of all, I thought everybody lived in the hood. I thought this was normal. Seeing dead bodies by the time I was in the maybe fourth grade was normal. Drive-by shootings, people getting killed at close range, um, getting sweated by the cops, having guns pulled into the cops, people getting killed by the cops, running from your life from the cops. I thought all those things was normal. Right? I just thought that's the way life was. I had no idea how dysfunctional my life was. And, but one thing I did know, I was just tired. You know, I was tired of the violence on both sides because I wasn't a gangbanger. Right, I didn't mm-hmm. want to go that life. Um, my dad died in prison. I made myself a promise that I would not end up like him. He deserved to be there. He was a gangster slash truck driver. You know, he was barely there anyway. But he's still my dad, and I love him. Right, before he went up for the big time, when they finally caught him, um, I told him, hey, I'm, you know what, I'm leaving. I think at that time I told him I was joining the Air Force, but I wound up joining the Army instead. And that was it, you know. So all of that was just building up. You know, if you look at movies like Boys in the Hood, Men's Society, that was my life. Right, I lived that, right? I mean, I, there was times you get your life. And remember, you didn't even make the news if you got killed, right? Oh, Especially black man in the hood. Man, it was before the internet. Nobody cared. Nobody cared, man. You get killed, man. It was just it was another end dead, right? That's it. That's how I went. And so right. one thing I noticed, even in high school, being in the JRTC, which is like, you know, the Junior um, Officer Reserve Training Program, is I was treated differently when I had that uniform on. Even the JRTC uniform. You know, most people didn't know the difference between that and army uniform, but that was the one, one thing that already made me think. I'm like, man, you tell me so. When I got this thing on, cops wasn't sweating me as much. You know, I was getting some type of status. So the army kind of like was always my backup plan, you know, because I mean, growing up as a kid, I wanted to be an astronaut, right? I love space. Mm-hmm. I love little goofy stuff, man. I loved all that stuff. Still love sci-fi and space and stuff, but it just wasn't going to work out from what the trajectory I was on. But really, like, for me, the L.A. riots really was it, right? Because I think a lot of people might remember that incident, but they don't remember all the horrible stuff that happened before that. The LAPD was really just dropping a hammer on people about two years even before Rodney King. I believe some shooting happened and a cop got shot. And so um, they dropped a hammer on everybody. You know, they was out here looking at Tasha Harlan, what stuff happened to her. They let that Korean shoot that girl in the back of the head on tape and gave her probation. You know, they shot those Samoan brothers 35 times, 35 times, man. They got away like, yeah, that's, hey, we was good. It was justified because it was big old Samoans. It was a fear for our life. I'm like, how can you shoot somebody 35 times? But this is how they was rolling. And then we all was getting sweated. My friends getting beat. My homeboys got beat out of his shoes, you know, by the cops, man. They just tell you, I mean, they even they roll up on me, they tell me who you think they're going to believe. You or me. All right? And that's just how they treated you. Like he was nothing. And so really when, when Rodney came, we got it on tape. I'm like, damn, they finally got these boys on tape, man. I was like, it's got to, we got to get some justice now. They caught them red-handed, right? We saw what happened, right? We saw it didn't matter. And so really that's when I knew. I knew even that night it was bad, you know, old people crying and stuff, man. I was like, man, this is not going to be good. I remember I went to a, I got some ice cream from the shop and was going to um, school and it all went to hell. In school, just sitting in like a journalism class. And so people ran down the hall and was like, kill all the white people. 
And my teacher bust out crying, right? And I was like, hey, be cool, man. We're not going to kill you because you white. She's like, well, you got nothing to worry about. You black. I said, let me tell you something, lady. When the bullets start flying, they never check what race you are before they kill you. Right? And so well, they wind up counseling school like maybe halfway through. And then you can just see it was going down, man. It was going down that night. That shop I went to to grab that ice cream, I watched it burn down on live TV, you know, that night. And um, all hell broke loose, man. And for the one time in my life, I decided to listen to my mom and just stay there alone. I remember we was watching, like, gangsters, like, hand off weapons to each other. Because literally the world knew outside of, you know, the hood, man, the Crips and Bloods had a truce. They just had a truce during that time. And so yeah. they was like, hey, we're going to put that work in together. Right. So yeah. I seen the yeah. man. So I, I died 911. It was off the hook, completely disconnected. So we was on our own for three days, man. I knew then. I was like, yeah, I'm going to stay home, try to protect the house because I ain't got no gun. And I mean, the one time I did go outside to go hang out with one of my homeboys, I got pulled up on by some FBI agents. You know, first time in my life I've ever seen body armor, MP5. Now I was fascinated when they rolled up on me because I'll Africa a few, but I had my little backpack. I was playing Sega Genesis with my boy, man. You know, I wasn't yes. no looter. So these guys pull up in a blacked out car and I'm thinking it's a drive-by. So I'm getting ready to take off running and then they turn on the spotlight and like freeze. And so I turn around, I see them get out, man. Four, four agents. They got the FBI Kevlar, you know, um, the, the flag jackets on. And they had an MP5 with a reversible clip. They had a reversible clip and the lasers. Now all the lasers pointed at me, but I'm fascinated with the weapons. I'm like, man, you got the guns from the movies, man. You know, and I'm laughing. And I'm like, well, hold up though. I ain't no looter, right? I was like, this is my backpack. I got a Sega Genesis in here. I got five games, Altered Beast. I'm naming the games off. And they were just like, get the hell out of here. Because they wasn't arresting nobody. They was rolling four deep in the vehicle. And so I just took off, man. I took off and went back home, man. And stayed the hell in the house for the rest of it. But this was just how it was going down. We watched my partner's house burn down because he was right next to the liquor store. It got burned down. It was just crazy. It was absolutely I mean, madness. You know, it's part of your trauma. I mean, yeah, all that you saw and then leading up to that, it's all a part of your personal traumatic experience, you know, racialized trauma. It's all connected, just layered. And so it's fascinating that you said, I'm done. And that's why yes. I wanted you to, to break that down because that's- Yes, and, and I think I heard, oh man, it might've been Jada Pickett in one of the movies, man. She said she hated the hood. Right? I forgot what movie it was, man. But she's like, I hate the hood, man. And I was like, yep. My sentiment exactly. I hated it. I hated it because I was stuck. Right. The gangsters didn't really want me because I wasn't gangbanging. You know, the cops didn't believe a young black male going to college. You know, I remember a guy laughing in my face when I told him that. Like it wasn't even an option. Right. Like he was like, please, what set you claiming? I'm like, I got a freaking Lakers shirt on with, with Magic Johnson, man. Nobody claiming that, dude. I'm like, don't y'all got a task force? I'm like, dude, I'm not in that gang. I'm not in that life. I'm not about that lifestyle, man. I hate drugs. You know, I don't smoke them. I don't do it. I don't transport it. I have nothing to do with that lifestyle, you know, but they just did not believe that. And so he's always getting shook down, always been. That was a thing they always use that you for description, right? You in the hood. I learned that. I learned that living in California for 20 years. I heard so many stories like that and even witnessed a few of my own. And people have no idea. No, unless they don't understand. They, and they that's why I tell them, know. yeah, the army was a step up. That's why I tell people, that's why I stayed. I stayed because as horrible as the military could be, and it could be hell sometimes, but I was set compared to my life in the hood. I kind of knew I was never going back, right? Because I might have went back and visited, and then when my mom died, I knew that was it. I was like, yeah, well, you know, we're done. that's it. Because, I mean, I had to bury her, and then 
I was in Iraq the next week. Okay. And so it was just, you know, crazy. You know, something's sticking with me, and I want to go back to it. Rodney was on tape, and that still didn't matter. You know? And- exactly. And that was a horrible thing because I still had a sliver of trust in the justice system. Like, well, they got these guys beating this dude damn near to death, using the N-word, right? They had everything. They had the records. They had it all, man. And they walked. And they walked. And I was just like, you know, man, this guy's just so racist. It was just, everyone knew it was just such a travesty of justice, man. But it knew, it let everyone else knew we all knew. America is a racist country. It always Look. has been. It's always something I've had to deal with in this country. From my very first time in my neighborhood, first word out these white people's mouth, hey, Ann, what you doing here? You bringing down the property value. Right? And right there in my little street, man, Pasadena Avenue, Long Beach, California, very first words out their mouth. It always been there. I went to a huge junior high, openly racist. My mom thought she'd do me a favor by sending me to a white school. Thought I'd get a better education. Don't even get me started on that conversation. That's and so that was just, that what I did learn was, you know, develop a thick skin and it was just, you know, the horrible racism that happens in your face with it. And that's why I say, man, this is why, really for me, it's just, it was one of the things that drove me become a soldier. And then when everything happened now, like 2020 drove me to become a, you know, social justice warrior. That's really what did it no. with, with, with the Mott Arbery. And then, I uh, think George Floyd, I knew at that moment, when I watched what happened to George Floyd, I knew that for the rest of my life, I'm all in. You know, I'm all but in I, against the battle. But, I, but Rig, I don't know. I don't know. It sounds like it's been, the stage has been set. Yes. It was just a matter of time. I mean, that yes. might have given you some fuel as to when it should happen, but given your history, how could it not have been your journey? You know, it sounds yeah, like- Yeah, I mean, I've, had, I've wrestled with it before. I've been with other groups and activist groups, but I just tried to, you know, if you don't talk about racism, it won't be here. Right, I shut up, I put my head down, I soldiered, I kept my soldier secrets, man. I don't ask no tell, man. I, I did all these deployments. It is funny, man. Like the more deployments I did, the more useless I saw it was, right? The higher I climbed up, the more corruption I saw, the more that's why I really Afghanistan was, you know, was a horrible deployment only because it was so much corruption. Right. I mean, I spent $2.4 billion over there, and we knew it was given to corrupt individuals. And I remember bitterly arguing with officers, like, what are we doing? It's like this guy. They let him go because he was stealing the money, not because he was stealing it, because he wasn't breaking bread with his tribe. But he came right like three months later. I'm like, these guys are all crooks, man. They crooks. We could be sending this money back to the States. They was like, just shut up and watch your lane there, soldier. You know, you want to retire. This is it. This is the path forward, right? You got to ignore what they're doing. But I just knew me, I'm not getting involved in it. I said, hey, guys, I'm not getting dirty up for nobody, period. If they corrupt, they corrupt. But if this is what we're going to do with taxpayer money, so be it. But I, I, I completely about the whole process. You have questions firing off in my head, um, and I can feel them, like, all through my body because, you know, you're hitting on so many things that I talk about all the time and I feel so strongly about. So I'm wondering, what in retrospect would you say you walked away with? in terms of your military experience. Okay, so I'll give you the both. So I think a lot of people, like on the anti-soldier thing, but for me, I would do it again. But you have to understand my situation. Coming from the hood, not having nothing, right? And then having status, you know? So I got training and I've had a lot of crazy things happen, but three things I got right in life was becoming a soldier, marrying this little German girl, and then joining the finance corps, leaving combat arms, and join the finance corps. Those things changed the trajectory of my life, really. So I knew the trade-off. I knew that 
going to war. I already knew that. So no recruiter had to lie to me because I knew that if you sign on the dotted line, you belong to the government for at least eight years, right? And you're not going to be you no more. You go do what they tell you to do. You go do all of that. I willingly went into that because I knew people would tell me, well, how can you serve in a white man's army? I'm like, man, look around, man. Tell me a job that I can do in America not deal with racism. I'm not going to do it right now. Right? Tell me a place where I can't do it, man. You know, I was like, for me, at least I have a fighting chance as a soldier. At least I'll be with other people. I'll be in part of this damn military. I can have weapons. I get training. I was like, even if I die, my mom would get $450,000. She ain't never seen that type of money before. If I die in the hood, I don't get nothing. But at least for me, it was a status. And that's why I stayed, you know, because I knew that they were taking their pound of flesh from me, but I was also getting skills, you know, the GI Bill, other skills, got my undergrad, you know, did all of those different things and VA loan, right? The home I'm in right now is because of the VA. So I changed that trajectory, right? And that's one thing that even the racists, even down in Indiana, the races they are down there, I might've been an in, but I was a combat one, right? With medals on my chest and they had to respect that. Right. They might not respect the skin color, but they damn sure respect that military service that I gave to this country. And so, so that that was a trade-off. That's a huge trade-off. How you make sense out of it, I get it. I can totally wrap myself around it. I understand. I don't understand it, but I accept it that that's a reality and you had to figure and out. Yeah, and listen, there's a lot of things that happened that was dark in the military. A lot of dark things. Yeah. A lot of stuff comes out of light now. And like I said, Afghanistan was a complete waste of time. So when it collapsed, no one was really surprised. We just surprised the right. speed it would collapse. We knew it was going to happen because it was untenable what we did. We should have went there and got, you know, someone and got out. We damn should have to go to Iraq. You know, Iraq was a war of choice, you know. But, you know, it's just this is how it is, right? This is part of being a part of that military industrial complex. And I yeah. reconciled that because I knew out of my choices I had for me, I knew one thing that I did not want. I did not want my children to grow up in the hood like I did. Mm. Right. I did not want my, and I knew that even then, even as a teenager, it was very important who I was going to be with because I was like, I don't want them to deal with that life. Because, you know, that I just thought was just totally unfair, man. Because you can get killed in the hood for nothing, right? Sitting at a football game and somebody starts shooting and killing you, man, because you got the real color on, right? Or something else going on, some other beef. That was unsustainable for me. The military did help me. You know, because I got around other people, I learned how to, you know, invest money. I learned how, you know, to get other skills I didn't have. So, yes, you know, I did learn how to do all of those things. But then I had to come back and deal with this. But now, you know, I'm even more fired up. I figure, hey, I'm in the biggest fight of my life now. So that makes sense. This is a question I think I know the answer to, but I'm going to ask it anyway, which is how do you think your military experience would have been different if you were white? Your white <laughs> well, I probably would have been I probably would have been accepted as an officer. I probably would have gotten a hell of a lot more awards. I would have uh, retired with hundreds of thousands of dollars more money in my pocket. I mean, there's a lot of things I ate because I was black. Right. A lot of things I had to suck up because I was black. Open racism at times I had to deal with because I was black. And so, yeah, you know, even having to deploy five times, I knew officers had never deployed. Right. These guys came back here. The whole war on terror, they missed it. Right. So you understand, we, we know what it is. If you look at our first class cash, he just got the Medal of Honor. This man just got the Medal of Honor. And let me tell you what he did, because I was there during this time when this dude was up here. When they got attacked in Iraq and his soldier went out here, man, he was a Bradley commander. And uh, when he came on the enemy fire, his tank got hit 
and it splashed JP8 fuel all over him, over him and his crew, right? And so him being a commander, he had the best chance of survival because he can just jump out the top of the vehicle, which he did. But the vehicle burst into flames. And so this man is soaking in fuel, and he's seeing that his soldiers is burning up in his vehicle or burning in his vehicle. He goes back into the flames, not once, not twice, three times under enemy fire, burning alive, burnt his entire uniform off of his body, right? Saving these guys' lives, saved six soldiers' lives, grabbed 10 people, saved six, save, six of them live, you know, because of his actions. If that's not the Medal of Honor, I don't know what the hell is, right? right? But they were silent. They didn't do nothing. They didn't give that man nothing, man. They gave him like a little uh, distinguished service cross or whatever, which is, you know, I mean, it's the highest award you can get in the Army. But still, they didn't give him what he deserved. And we would just, I always remember like, my God, man, really? I mean, we seen a white soldier jump on a grenade, gave his life, you know, for his four buddies in his vehicle. They gave him a, the Medal of Honor the next year. And you got to understand, no soldier since Vietnam, no black soldier has received the Medal of Honor since Vietnam, right? And we know people out here. I know men who are here who fought to their last breath for this country, right? And still, even then, you always get played. Even my medals, I got played. But I was like, you know what? That's why I tell them. That's why I'm gonna keep it. That's why I throw it in their face, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's one thing really that really because you know we're supposed to be the silent professionals. Yes. But that went out the window with Trump. That yeah. went out the window. I say, you know what the hell with that. That's yeah. why I ram the medals in their face. Let them get upset, man. I don't care about their hurt feelings, man. Yeah. Because I know no, it I still wasn't what I deserved. It still wasn't what I deserved out here. You know? You know you, and you, I, you, I've dealt with open racism. Even down there when I went to um, officer board in um, um, Racist Dam, Arkansas, right? And I knew the only person that gave me the, the go-ahead after all the combat action I had seen, the only person that recommended me become an officer was the other black female officer on, on the board. Rest of these guys just look for something that I did when I was a private and say, well, hey, you did, you messed up here. Like the guy was an open racist. You want to know why he, did I have that bad ESR there? Because he was openly racist. That's why. And he went back and, and doctored the paperwork. And even that's to have why. to say that, to have to say that, like they don't know. Yeah, they know, man. They know. And that's why I just like, you know, so when when you got people like Tim Kaine come out here and tell you America's not a racist country and then Kamala Harris repeats that lie, I throw it in their face, man. America so racist that you let Rush Limbaugh get the Medal of Freedom before a black soldier got the Medal of Honor. An openly racist dog got the Medal of Freedom hung around his neck before black servicemen who die in combat for this country got the Medal of Honor. And so you will never be able to convince me that America is not a racist country. It's a very racist country. You can make, you can almost become a billionaire being open racist. There were soldiers that I served with that didn't even want to go. I'm going to tell you how I got a quick story, how I got to go see Barack Obama. Mm. But how I went from combat in Afghanistan to the White House. This is how this happened. So when I got back from my deployment, I was I was stationed at the Pentagon. Now they have like, you know, um ceremonies, a Medal of Honor, a soldier getting the Medal of Honor, and that's only given by the president. Okay. I never forget they asked for volunteers because they want the place packed out. They want all service members in there. And so they asked the white soldiers that was there before me. I was kind of like in the back of the group. And it was like, hey, you know, we're about to do the ceremony. And I remember the guy got up and said, hey, man, I'm not going up there, man. Obama's a Muslim. He's not even an American citizen. Now, this is an actively soldier saying that's bullshit. I was so disgusted. I was like, you know what, man? I said, I'll go. I'll go. Bought a uniform right there on the spot, man. Did the background check. That Monday, I was in. I was right there, like, from six weeks from Obama when he passed me. Right? And gave that soldier Medal of Honor, man. Best Monday ever. Best Monday ever, man. 
You know, I made sure I retired under Obama, man, because I knew I, I, I had to beat him out of office because there's no way on earth I would serve under Trump, man. No yeah. way. I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get know, to but that. Hey, you know, hey, I can hey, I, hey, I no, can no. get to you for weeks. No, right? I know, I know, I know. And, and I want to get to that, but I, I want to say to you something that I know some people receive well and some people don't. How do you feel when people thank you for your service? It doesn't mean anything to me. Right. And just like you just it just say the people I've encountered. Yeah. Open up and say, thank you for your service. But yeah. Hey, you're in because you are because you're a race baiter. So it means that okay. the people who I respect are other service members who've seen combat. OK, who say to you? the ones who've been like, hey, I think you're on the right path. You're doing this. That. That's why I really got my validation okay. from other people who've been. Because I, I don't care what the peons say. Right. Because mm-hmm. here's something they can't take that from me. I walk the path that less than one percent of Americans walk. Right. And out of the out of that less than 1%, only 12% make it to full retirement. I'm that 12%. They can okay. never take that from me. Right? True. No matter what they say about what I'm doing now, they can never take that. When I talk about that, when I, one of my videos, I say, I didn't see you here, 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 Cuba, 95, Boston. Yeah, I saw that. Kosovo, 99. They can't, see, that's why when I ran that gauntlet on the man, this is why that video is like the most banned video on TikTok, but it's also my, my, my calling card. Because when I dropped the Undertaker theme, I'm showing them, I'm walking them down. They think that Kyle Rittenhouse is a patriot or wrestling balls is a patriot. Like, please, man. These clowns never could walk our path. They never could walk the Warriors' path. And so... So you talk about so many reasons to have trauma in your life. And I don't know many soldiers who leave without having some sort of emotional challenges, mental Oh, challenges. I, I was broke before. I deployed broke. Yeah, right? that's what you had mean. to... Because I should do... I, I remember one reason why I loved Junior Seau, man. I remember I bought his jersey, man. When he died, his mom was crying for him because he used to hide his injuries, man. That's what you do. That's what you do. You can't tell nobody. You're not to right? do. You cannot tell nobody because it's seen as weakness, especially mental right. illness. You can't tell nobody about that, man. They use it against you. They weaponize it. They take away your weapons. They take away your abilities to do anything, man. They destroy you with it. And so, so how, even wait, now, wait, how have how have you managed to? Get where you are, having hit all of this. I mean, did you ever? Get, <laughs> did you ever get to get? I hit, my, I, hit my, I hit rock bottom, right? One reason that I'm probably not in prison or dead somewhere is because my wife held on when most women wouldn't. I was a hot ass mess when I came back from Afghanistan, man. I clearly had PTSD, but okay. the VA didn't give a damn. They was like, "Well, hey, he's fine, right? He got maybe an emotional adjust." Everyone knew the soldiers I served with knew I was suffering from it, right? Everyone knew, man, they just didn't give a damn, right? And so I just, you know, I kept it bottled up until I could not, and then things happened. I knew that. So one of the things that, that happened that really made me decide I had to get some help because, um, you know, you try to compartmentalize. It's you to compartmentalize. Yes. Welcome to and, being um, uh, a man and, yeah, and, and having gone through all that you've gone through. Yeah, yeah. and so I remember I went from, like, driving downtown Kabul where every car could be a car bomb waiting to kill you. Mm-hmm. So just being back here in I-95 in Virginia, just in 48 hours, which is like unheard of, right? But I'm still over there, though. I'm physically here, but I'm still right. over there. And so I think I cut somebody off. I don't even know what the incident was about. Honestly, I couldn't tell you who cut who off. All I knew is that I was going to snatch the life out of that guy, mm-hmm. you know, when it happened. So I jumped out the car. You know, I told him exactly what the hell I was going to do to him in graphic detail. I seen the, the shock on his face and the shock on his girl face. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, okay. So I got back in my car 
And then that's what my wife said, I'm scared to be around you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? I was like, damn, man. I was like, it's all falling apart, man. I can't hold it, to, I can't hold it together anymore, right? Yeah. Because I was just, you know, I had so much mix of emotions and just a rage. Right. And with the VA, it was a crapshoot. You know, a lot of them, a lot of them yeah. just sorry, just there to collect a check, man. Worthless, man. Worthless people, man. I recently started getting help. Eventually, I finally got diagnosed six years later, right? Six years later, they diagnosed me, right? But this is how the system is. I know guys right now, even John Good Ginger, man, that boy should be maxed out right now for stuff he went through because he went through real hell. I've had some stuff bad, but he went through hell, right? And they still spin on him. They did him dirty in his career too, man. For different reasons, but that's how they do you out there. So this is all part of it, right? You reconcile that. And I just try to be, you know, I, I, I try to, you know, ask my wife for forgiveness for all the dark things at the times I put her through. And mm-hmm. I tell my kids, hey, I'm sorry. Because the only thing I really, out of all the titles I ever had, the only title that, that I care about is being a dad. Mm-hmm. That's, the only dad that's the only title that I really, really, that means the world to me, right? Because my dad was never there. Sure. I remember when he walked out, even when I was five years old, man. He never married my mom. It was just something to do, you know, passing through. I might have seen him once or twice a year if I was lucky. And so for me, I knew that, you know, his death motivated me to be the man that, you know, he wasn't. And that's why I say it wasn't about, I didn't touch drugs because I didn't want to be like him, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't want to, I made my entire life, even the way I said my government last name, everything I changed, everything about my life, about him. That's how I would never be that man. And so, I think for the most part, I did pretty well. So you know? when you <clears throat> when you buried him and you buried um, your emotions, it sounds your negative feelings about him. It sounds like you gave way to some healthy emotions and some, you know the ability to grieve, which allowed you to move yeah. forward. Yeah. Um, so that yeah, that helped me to do a lot of stuff. And then just um, being there, you know, um, in my dark times, um, my children helped me out. Hold on. Sure. You know, there was one point where I got pushed out of my government job. I was, um, mm-hmm. you know, I have to do Uber for two years to stay afloat, you know, after everything I'd done, man. Mm-hmm. I was on my back, man. I think my house was in foreclosure, man. And I was just like, I think it was a dark night, maybe like in 2018, man. I just had pulled up to the bridge, man. I was like one of these bridges in D.C. And I was just like, damn, man. My life insurance going to expire. I might as well cash it out, mm-hmm. right? And I sat there with the car running. And I was like, damn, man, should I just leave my phone in here? I mean, maybe how to go find my body? You know, I was thinking about just playing it out, man. I was playing it out. I was going through everything, man. And then finally, I just thought about my sons, man. I was like, what my sons going to think, right? Mm. I was like, damn, man. I was just like, you know, I was like, what my sons going to think of me, though, man? What are my sons going to think of me, man? That I folded when it became unbearable, right? And so I prayed for more strength. Whatever being was out there, I like. Yeah. I just need to get more strength to get through these dark times. I, I didn't want to make it easier. I just wanted to make be stronger, right, to deal with it. So, you know, I got through look, those dark times, and you know. But, but but there's something. But I want to slow you down a second because there's something that you said that's so powerful, and I appreciate you being so vulnerable. It means so much to me and to people because they need to see you, your story, and and black men being in their feelings and being present with it. So oh really yeah, yeah. I, listen, that. my kids. No, my sons know I cry. Yeah. I can. I can't hold it anymore, right? After Afghanistan. That's was, health, though. That's health. I was health. a broken man, so it just, it floods. I mean. But that's emotional health. Yes, and that's why I tell them, listen, there's nothing wrong with crying. Yeah. I thought, you go see me crying? We cried when our cat died. We mourned together. Mm-hmm. I said, hey, this is part of it, because if you don't do it, it kills you. So that's, and I've that's seen perfect. I've been out there. Yeah, I said, hey, they go see me go through all of it. 
And I let them know I don't have all the answers, but I'm but trying you have to your answer. I'm trying to be better. Yeah, I'm trying to be better at what I can do. I want to be. And I, they they know though. They know how I feel about them, and they know that um, out of all the titles and things I've had, the title of dad, like I said, is the most important. But Rick, you said that you have asked your wife for forgiveness, and I want to know if you've you've forgiven yourself for going through what you went through because I mean it wasn't all you. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, look, I did the best of what I had. Exactly. I, I had the best. It wasn't like I knew better, but like I always tried to do you know do the right thing. Um, I know as I could tell you that I've never mistreated a soldier. I've never used my position to abuse anyone. You know, as much as I've seen that stuff going on. I decided that person I was going to be. I had gay soldiers that served on me during Don't Ask Don't Hell. I kept secrets, mm. right? So, listen, man, this is, you know, I don't care you straight as long as you mm. shoot straight, you know? Yeah. And that's just how I said, because I know how it is. I know how it is to be discriminated against, man. I told him, man, I know how you, I know how they going to treat you, man. They treat, like they treat me, especially if they was black and gay. It was, yeah. it was the worst, right. right? So they, they, you, they weaponize all these things against you. And so it was really don't don't tell you get put out. That's what really the pilot, the yeah. policy should have been called that because right. it was a very negative policy. They they dressed it up for the public, but mm -hmm. in the implementation, man, if you said anything, you was through. You were separated. So how do you so you know, look, first of all, you have to promise to come back because okay. I'm barely I'm barely skimming on the surface. True. Hey, I've been at this for a minute, so I got a lot of life experience to share with it. But yeah, and I, I, I appreciate that. You know, I want to shift gears for a, a minute to talk about. A lot of people, particularly white people, are in the streets now getting a lot of notoriety and a lot of attention for doing what we have been fighting through all of our lives. Exactly. 400 years so, plus, right? So Yeah. And so I have mixed feelings about that. And I, I know, you know, people personally are doing it, and this is not to make a, a, a judgment on them, but I, I have mixed feelings about it. And I, I just want to hear... How you deal with it? Yeah. So sure. it just depends on if they're real or not, right? We got some people out here performative, right? Some people were, you know, white supremacists just trying to find a new grift, you know. Mm -hmm. And then you got people like my boy Jolly, right? I found out during the insurrection we were neighbors. I had yeah. no idea, right? And I, I followed him on TikTok. He was like one of the first veterans I followed on TikTok because okay. when he talked at the RNC, I was just like, man, whoever this guy is, I was like, he gets it, man. He gets it. I was so disgusted with all the lies over the last four years, man. I used to just cuss off the TV, man. I was just like, this is ridiculous, man. They calling these fools patriots. My video dropped September. My, I didn't see you here. And the reason why it dropped is because a guy told me, a Russian troll said, you know, you should be happy. White people freed you from slavery. They could put you back in if they wanted to. And that's the video that made me, when I dropped the video, I didn't see you here, here, here. And that's why I was just like, and that's what kind of like put me on the radar. And that's when they saw me, like with the fold, T. Nathan, and all of them saw me from that video. Okay. And then during the insurrection, though, I live streamed it at the insurrection when it was going down because I knew the military response was broken. And I was like, for me, it was a worst case scenario because it's shown that that there were some, some people have been compromised because we know that anybody, they should have been lit up well before they got to that Capitol. The fact that they breached the halls of that Capitol, I was like, man, we knew. And I was just, I was like, guys, we just got to find out how bad it is. You know, we, it's a military compromise. I knew you can't have a civil war effectively without the military. I was like, as long as the military hold to the Constitution, we stand a chance. It was just crazy. But during that live stream, helicopters flew over my house. And I was live streaming the, the, the Black Hawk helicopters. They flew over. And I was telling the response time. They're probably going to be on scene within, you know, within three minutes based on their speed and whatever. And I was just giving, like, you know, basically play by play. One of my friends, Dr. Fingers, 
He was like, dude, where are you at, man? I'm like, I'm in, I'm in Northern Virginia, man. He's like, dude, I think he's like right by us. He's like, really? And so that's how we found out that our oh, neighbors okay. were Jolly Good Ginger. Jolly Good Ginger is only like maybe five minutes away from my house. Oh, okay. Exactly neighbors. Okay. And so that's when we met up for the first time during uh, Biden's inauguration. And I was like, dude, but I love Jolly ever since then. I've really, really been, you know, with him and the movement really just been, you know, so people like him, I appreciate him, what he goes yeah. through. And, because and he's I, in it. He gets it. You know, his family. No, I, I absolutely get it. Black. I, I, and so, but, but so I, I, it's going to be that two-edged sword because you know how this is going to be. They listen to those people before they listen to us, period. White America is never going to listen to us unless we playing their role. We got to be nice. And this is why I'm banned. This is one of the main reasons I'm banned because, you know, I'm not going to be the Martin Luther King. I'm not going to be that, that, that peaceful Negro. That's out. That's out for me. And mm-hmm. America doesn't deserve that. You have Barack Obama. Look what you did to him. Look what you look what you did to our race when you gave us our best. You know, we gave you our best and our brightest. Look how you treat us. So now you get me. I'm a different kind of end, right? I'm a different kind of one. I'm okay going scorched earth. I'm okay fighting fire with fire. There's like, well, well, Michelle Obama said take the high road. I'm like, I left the high road when they called her a man. Right? When mm-hmm. they called her a man, I was like, now I'm gonna treat you like the enemies over there that I fought against. You train me to fight against. I'm gonna use the same tactics, you know, that, that the military has taught me. I'm gonna use those tactics against fake patriots, you know, when the times come. And, and, you, so, and you, Lord knows you take them on. I mean, sometimes I'm like, yes. oh my God, where does Oh yeah, I give it to them. Even today I was battling some guys, but they really, I've had people open threaten like this. They, I've had police departments in North Carolina uh, threaten to kill me, threaten they come in, they come, we're coming to hang you in. I'm like, I tell you what, man, when you come, make sure your affairs in order. Right, I said, because none of y'all go get it. I was like, if we, I say anybody, it's like we touch your family, like your family get it too. To the last kid, every last one of them go pay. I was like, I will not, not be backing down. I said, I'm gonna give you the hell that you want, right? I'm gonna give you. I like, I was like, so, so and this is where we at. And I, it's unfortunate that I have to be this way, but I knew, like I said, when I watched George Floyd take his dying breath after he begged for mercy, I knew then what I, what my mission is. And it's either I'm here for the absolute destruction of white supremacy by any means necessary, you know. And I pray for peace, but I prepare for war, and I'm gonna prepare other people for war. And that's just where we're gonna be at right now because America has to decide if it deserves to be a country or not. It really does. If you can let people as vile as Trump in office, you get what you get. I've seen countries fall apart. I've I've been through civil wars in Bosnia, right? All it takes is enough corrupt people in power. And they bring down, America's a very young country, you know? And so that's why I say, man, when people say our democracy online, I'm telling you, what you gonna do about it? What are you gonna do? I like, for me, we, we don't have to wonder, you know, what would you do back in 1940s Germany? We live in that right now. This is 1940s Germany. You got a propaganda machine, Fox fake news, OAN, Newsmax. You know, you got corrupt politicians, Flag Cruz, QAnon, Marty Taylor Green, man. Boberty Lee, all of these clowns, man, that don't deserve to be nowhere. I can do a better job than them. I can do a better job than Trump. Right now, if they put me in the office now, I could do better than them. And this is this, but this, they don't care because of the white supremacy. And in America, you could become almost a billionaire being a white supremacist. When oh, Rush Limbaugh oh, took his final breath, right, he was worth $600 million preaching hate. The guy who told me that Obama was a, wasn't, a, wasn't an American citizen, was a Muslim, was listening to Rush Limbaugh. The day that Obama gave the Medal of Honor to a soldier, Rush Limbaugh said, didn't say one word about that. Said he was the first gay president. 
and he was out here at the LGBTQ function. Never said one word about how he hung a soldier. And Obama treated those racist-ass dudes in that White House with respect every last one of them in there. And I've seen soldiers that spit on the White House floor, man, and was talking all this, this because uh, they let a Negro up in there. And so I held my peace, man. You know, because I wasn't because it wasn't there for me, you know. But now I'm like, you know what? F all that. Now they get it. And that's why I tell them they go, hey, man, I told them, man, you're not gonna intimidate me, you're not gonna pay me off, man, and you're not gonna silence me. Because I will meet you with that same energy. That's why I tell them they sit there, there is nothing they can tell me that I haven't been done. My nightmares give me more of a fight than these clowns. So I have a question for you then. Yes. How can it change? How how can it change? I mean, everything you unfortunately right now. There's only two ways I see this thing going. There's going to, have to be some, and I don't know if Biden can do it, honestly, right? It's going to take some scorched earth, draconian measures, right? Because if these clowns start subverting election details and they start, you know, saying, hey, we're not going to count these votes, then people have to roll, right? And so there will be a violent revolution in this country. And believe me, January 6th, I was prepared. I had my full military gear laid out. Mm. at this house. I was already ready, locked and loaded, ready to go. Wow. Anybody that was going to come here, I was going to kill them on site. I already had my stuff set up. I already had my plans of attacks. I already talked to other veterans that was going to help me fight and hold down my block. So I said, if they show up, man, I'm killing them on site, man, period. And we was going to continue to do what we have to do because okay, so- we knew what it was going to come to because people don't understand, like, the only reason we're not Miramar right now is because the military didn't get involved. That's the only reason that we're not openly trying to kill each other in this country right now, because they intervened. I was like, my God, man, you don't understand that if all it took was some active duty forces to break off and say, hey, we want to keep Trump in power. Now we're killing each other, right? Because we all know the penalty for treason. They can summarily execute you for that. (laughs) But here's a question for you. No, no, but I just want to, I want to pause you right there because you said something that's really makes me think, you know, because I hear a lot of, of Black people say that, like, I'm, I'm ready to fight. And I can't get past the fact that that hasn't worked out well in, in this country. You know, you think of the Black Panthers, you think of... Sure, you well, well I, I think the difference is you learn the difference, though, right? Look, okay. I'm military trained. I don't know how many of the Black Panthers were. Okay. And so we learn the difference, right? We're not going to go out here and form militias. No, you work in sales, right? You work in three to five-man sales. You break out over the country. Right. And you work in those groups. That's how you bring things down. That's how you strike at the nerve center. What things, mm-hmm. but, but my goal is I don't want to take it there. Of unless course. We have to because I still love this damn country. Right. Mm-hmm. Even though after the stuff they did to me, even though everything I've been through, I still love being a soldier. I still have real. I don't want my children to go through what I went through. Right. I don't want them to, but, you know, I can't just sit back and let this go. I can't let these liars get up in here, these fake patriots continue going down this path. And I only see two ways out of this. We either go be, we get victory the ballot box or with the bullets. And there's you know, not but, really much other but, else than that, and unfortunately, because I just don't see who else is going to get us out of it, right? Yeah, but they're making a, they're making the ballot box situation so much more difficult in a couple yes, of different ways. because you, know, you, got, one, you, got, you got Republicans posing as, um, Democrats, right? That's right. That's right. Here. That's right. Mansion and cinema out here, man. right? But they've always yeah. they've always known to do what they need to do to get in yes. where they need to get. And and what I think you know, I frowned at Biden because the biggest disappointment is you know receiving the black vote and then what? 
Yes. And then what? You gave us Kamala, but then what you do, right? And you, you let keep her get up on TV and say that America's not a racist country. Get the hell out I of mean, here. I mean, that was just crazy. America Love is me. the most racist country. I've been treated by my enemies better and with more respect for my own damn country right here. That's deep. I'm just, here to, I'm just here to tell the truth, right? People are like, That's why didn't you stay? I was like, I would have stayed. My wife wanted to stay here. I was treated as a damn hero in Germany. They loved my black ass in Germany, right? They loved me over there, man. They loved us in other countries, right? Because we don't have that dirty history that we got here with the white supremacy. They just seen us as a, as a black soldier, right? And that's why I tell you, man, this is the, the, the dirt that I've received in this country been called the n-word my my wife never even heard all that type of talk until, I, until we got here mm -hmm. right this is what i tell you man now trump has exposed it for the whole world mm -hmm. now, our adversaries use it now china's like well why are you gonna talk about our concentration camps look how you treat y'all black people and they right mm. right that's the cold thing about it. i'm like dude that's what happened when you put an idiot up here everyone knew that america was racist but it was our quiet secret Right, we want is our quiet little secret. But by Trump going out here and letting these guys defecate in the halls of Congress and call people N words, it couldn't have been me. It couldn't have been me. I told him, man, listen, I knew if I was there January 6th, if I was black on ammo and my knife, I was tired from, from, from extinguishing people's lives from them, man. Because I, I shouldn't just even, you know, and we shouldn't even have to, like you said, we shouldn't even have to go there. Nobody wants to see that happen. But this and, what he's, and the problem is, though, they're okay with it, right? Yeah, well, that, that's what I was going to say. You got, they got political cover. Right. Yeah. And that's how you look. Hitler failed the first time, too, guys. Hitler failed in his first coup attempt. He came back and was successful in the Night of Knives. Mm -hmm. and, and here's the thing. I don't think Trump's going to be able to do it because he's too old and too stupid. <laughs> but what they have done is open the door for somebody else who is more charismatic, somebody who could be younger, somebody who is smarter, mm -hmm. because you already got corrupt stuff in the government right now. man. You got corrupt stuff out here. You know, they're not going to crack down and ban Fox News. They're not going to get rid of this, this nonsense, these propaganda. Well, capitalism, because capitalism is of at course. the base. Exactly. And that's it. And that's it. But a lot of these white people find out, too, that, hey, your white privilege run out when you run out of money. Right? Yeah. Right? Yeah, I said, hey. Now I said, guess what? You just another end, too, now. Because <laughs> now, right? I said, because if you ain't got enough money, they don't care about you either. They don't care about you either, man. That's the, that's the intersectionality of this thing, right? I say, because really, the we know the 1% is, is trolled. That's why I tell them, guys, it don't matter. I was like, if you talk about, well, it's a, it's a government, I don't trust. I was like, man, what do you think this is? They don't care if you get vaccinated or not. They making their money, whether you're taking them stupid vitamins, whether you're taking the horse to warmer that don't work, or taking the vaccine, big pharma getting paid. And guess what? When you go in there and you got to pay all this money and go broke for these treatments, they, they, they love it mm -hmm. because they make more money off you when you're sick. Yeah, that's that 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 piece right there. That's yeah. what people don't understand. I said, dude, it don't matter. It's cold capitalism that system. That's right why there. capitalism is like a vicious dog. It has to be regulated. It has to be. It has to be regulated. It has to be kept chained down because if not unregulated capitalism, it, it destroys it'll, us all, man. It'll it destroys eat you. us all. Eat us alive. Man, this whole war, this whole world of terrorism yeah. has been dirty. Right? Yeah. I watched Brown and Rue. That's why I say Cheney, man, come on. Cheney, Dick Cheney, one of the most powerful vice presidents of my lifetime. At least he got the courage to stand with his daughter. I give him that. Mm. Cheney, man, come on. Halliburton was every deployment. Every deployment I went to, Brown and Root was there. Kellogg Brown and Root was in Cuba, Bosnia, Kosovo, Iraq, Afghanistan. Them boys making money hand over fist, man. Mm. I've, I've seen, I've seen, man, I was out here like this, giving it away. Yeah. Giving it away, right? Yeah. I, I moved $232 million in cash from Germany to Iraq. 
Rick face hundred bills like this, right? That money, you know, what they got figured out quickly was Hollywood be doing stuff, but they'd be stunned. A million dollars would never fit in a briefcase. Never. It, it, it's not big enough, right? <laughs> you need something like a devil bag. Um, we moved that type of money. It was all vacuum sealed. We moved $1.6 million bricks, right? And I moved them um, from Germany to um, uh, back to uh, Iraq. And that was just crazy how, how things were going down. And so this is what we dealt with. So I've seen money move, man. And that's why I know what the government has and this, this economy and how, how crazy things can get. You know, things we pay for, you know, the stuff that happened. You know, I learned a lot with it. So, yeah, it, 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 it was nuts. Well, I'll tell you this. There's so many, so many more questions I have for you, but the t- our time has run out and it's unfortunate yes. to have to come back. I will. Hey, you guys let me know and uh, we'll set it up and I would love to chit chat with you. And we can, as you can see, guys, I, I, my life's open book at this point. Yeah, I think right. it's I think it's beneficial for people to hear an inside perspective. I really do. Tell people yes. where they can find you, would you? So um you can catch me on uh my best place to catch me is Twitch, US Army Overlord on Twitch. Um, I'm also on, on IG and um YouTube. Uh I am on TikTok, but you know, I, I could be here today, banned tomorrow. My current accounts are US Army Overlord 8.0, Union Gang, BLM Forever, and then Union Gang on Twitch. Those are my three active accounts I have on TikTok for right now. But if you click on any of my social media in the link tree, it'll put you back on everything else. Oh, there you go. Twitch is my um, headquarters. Letting them know that you have link tree. Is it under the same name? Yes. And so anytime okay. any of my social media you catch me on, that link tree will take you to all of my sites. It'll take okay, you perfect. To, um, you know, like people like Jay for Congress. People I want. I'm trying to get more veterans in, in Congress, trying mm-hmm. to, you know, get these uh, pretenders out of here. And so I put stuff out there like that. Joseph and Julius, you know, links like that. I put okay. in there as well. Okay, great. All right. Thanks so much, Rig. I really appreciate hearing everything you had to say. It's a lot. Hey, look forward to, <laughs> hey, yes, we had a lot to take in one, in one bite. So, um, hey, I look forward to um, Right on. Thanks a lot. Take care. All right. You guys have a great one. All right. Bye. JD and I want to thank our fabulous producers at I Am Music Group. And for all of you out there who want to do your own podcast, go to IAMMusicGroup.com and the team will hit you back. Please be sure to like, subscribe, and follow wherever you get your podcasts. And also, leave us a review. Let us know what you think.